Hi everyone. Um, this is going to be a four-part series on my cultural autobiography, and I will be talking to you about who I am as a person, who I am currently as a future educator, and who I want to become as an educator. So um, I hope you enjoy. This first part is regression, and I will talk about just my experiences of growing up and what sort of influenced me as a person. So um, first, I just want to talk about the neighborhood I grew up in. It was predominantly white. The school that I went to was predominantly white. <coughs> um, the town I grew up in was very, very small. It's not really even considered a town. It's a village. Um, and it was mainly with like working class families, lower class families, a little bit of middle class families, I think. Um, growing up in this town, um, I never felt racially profiled and I was never judged for being white. And I realized that that was a privilege I have um, to have never felt like I was being looked down upon. Um, I never really had an, an experience with any other races growing up. Everyone, you know, there looked like me. Everyone talked like me. I didn't really even realize that America was still racially divided um, until I was almost an adult. I sort of thought that racism was in the past and that we had overcome that because everything we learned, learned in school about it was sort of implied that it was in the past. Um, the only time I would ever really interact with people of other races was like, you know, if we went out of town and made trips to Columbus to go shopping or something. Um, sporting events with other schools, you know, other schools around would sometimes have kids of other race and things like that, but I never really interacted with them, sort of say. <laughs> um, I was always taught to treat everyone the same. I was kind of inadvertently taught that uh, colorblind approach, which, you know, I now know is not really the way to go. Um, where I grew up, the culture of everyone was pretty much the same. Um, we're all sort of Southern and just had the Southern hospitality thing going on. Um, everyone was pretty much the same. Um, I think something that looking back now, I knew kind of affected me throughout my life um, was sort of my family's expectations for me as a person, like the rules we grew up with and just how my mom parented me in a sense. Um and I can look back and see that it kind of started with my grandmother, my mother's mother. Um, she was born in 1929, and she was a change of life baby. Her mother was actually pregnant with her the same time that her oldest daughter was pregnant. So my grandmother was the same ages as like all of her nieces and nephews. Um, and I sort of feel like that there was like this generation gap there with my grandmother, sort of like she was raised by a grandmother with those um, strict rules of that generation. Um, so I kind of feel like when she raised my mother, she raised her different than how my mother's friends' mothers raised her. Like she had a lot more strict values and strict parenting styles um, versus my mom's peers and how they were raised. So then that kind of trickled down to me. Like my mother raised me differently than how all of my friends' mothers raised them. Um, I sort of felt like I never really fit in with my friends. They would kind of think my mom was weird and she had like weird traditions and weird rules and they just couldn't understand why my mom wasn't more lenient about some things. 
And that goes along into like how I was raised in a strict religious home. But I also feel like certain things would arise and how my mom handled them and how she would parent me through them was different than how my other kids did. And I feel like that trickled down from when my grandmother was born so late in life. Like there was sort of this generational gap there. Um, Like for instance, when all of my friends were allowed to shave their legs, like I wasn't allowed to shave my legs. My mom thought I was too young. And so I would sort of like sneak into it. And when she caught me one day, she yelled at me because she didn't want me to shave above my knee because she never shaved above her knee, which is something that was like so ages ago. So just sort of things like that through my growing up, I know kind of affected me. I don't hold anything against my mom or anything. It's just how she was raised and how her mom was raised. And, you know, that's all she knew. Um, my mother graduated in high school in 1970. And at that time in our town, I mean, women just didn't go to college. She um, was taught that she would graduate and she would get married and she would have kids and she would raise her kids. And I also feel like that sort of trickled down from my grandmother and how she was raised and, you know, things like that. And we were such a small town and um, people, that was just the culture then, I guess. Uh, my dad didn't go to college either. He went to the trade school and he earned an education in carpentry. And he actually worked right out of high school. He went to work at the factory at Mills Pride where they made cabinets. Um, I feel that um, there really wasn't any differences in how my parents raised me and my brothers. Um, you had the usual things like I would help my mom clean and the boys would take the trash out and stuff like that. But as far as like education and things, um, we were all free to, you know, go to college if we wanted to or, you know, whatever we wanted to do. Um, I do feel me being a girl, I had a lot of pressure on me to go to college and get an education and do something that way. Whereas in boys could go work construction or, you know, do things like that. Um, so I do feel that pressure towards me. Um my family in my town was quite religious. Um, we attended Calvary Baptist Church in our hometown. Um, it's where I was baptized. My husband was actually baptized there. Um, my two oldest children have actually been baptized there. Um, it's still where I go to church today. So um, with that religion, in such a small town, you know, a lot of the, most of the community attended that church or other surrounding churches. And so the town with things like um, same-sex marriage, you know, sex before marriage, you know, pregnant out of wedlock, those things were just not accepted in my family and not accepted in my town. Um, if these things happen to you, um, which I mean, every once in a while, you know, you have the town gossip that something happened. Um, it just seemed like you were always remembered for that, for that one mistake that you made. You were always going to be remembered for that. Um, like I said, it was just sort of like a taboo in the town. Um, they just weren't, they were very, very strict that way. Um, I still, honestly, I, I love my church and I love my parents and I still hold these religious values today. Um, I feel I'm a little more lenient, a little more at ease than what I was raised with. Um, I don't believe in same-sex marriages and I don't believe in, you know, a few other things, but I would never hold that against my students or treat them any differently because of that. I feel like 
I know that I have these things about myself, but I'm not going to portray them in the classroom. Um, when I entered college for the first time right out of high school, I was really scared. I didn't really know how to handle things. Looking back, I can tell that my parents sort of held me so tightly that I wasn't really ready to handle the adult world on my own. I don't hold anything against them for that. I know that they were just doing what they thought was best to raise me. Um, I am the youngest of four children. My mother was first married to her first husband, um, and she had my two oldest brothers, Eric and Brandon. And then they divorced, and she married my dad, and she had Kyle and then me. Um, Eric is actually 16 years older than me. She kind of had me kind of late in life, too. Um, Brandon is actually nine years older than me. And then me and Kyle were just a few years apart. But I kind of felt like Eric and Brandon were more parents or uncles to me than they were brothers because they were so much older than me. So in a sense, I kind of felt like I was raised in a household full of adults who took care of me. Um, I never really had to do anything for myself, in a sense. Um, and it was not good for when I graduated and entered college. That's where I kind of felt like I was really sheltered. I really didn't know how to handle finances. I didn't know really how to do anything. And then I felt like I was just really thrown into this college world. And I was expected to, to do all this stuff on my own and hold myself accountable for things. And I'd never really been taught that before. So um, in that sense, I mean, I ended up pregnant with my son, my second semester in college. And I can kind of see where all of that kind of happened. Um. But even through all of that, my parents placed such a high value on education because they wanted me to do more than what they did. Uh, they wanted me to go to college. They wanted me to make something of myself. But I think they kind of pushed me into college in the wrong sense of believing the fact that making a lot of money is successful. Um, I feel like the whole town kind of had that thought process. You know, where we're in such a poor area, you know, they hold a lot of value on money. And money means success. And I don't want to portray that in my classroom because the first time I went to college, I went and I went with the aspect of picking a job in the medical field because I wanted to make a lot of money because that's what I was taught. That's what, you know, I was told to do. I was told to do it not just by my family, but like by the teachers and the town and, you know, everything. Like if you're going to make something of yourself, you need to make a lot of money and get out of this town. And, um, I feel like I learned the hard way that I forced myself into that program that I was miserable in. Um, because of the aspect I was taught money meant su success. And, um, I feel like that sort of drove a lot of, I want to say, I feel like that was a big part of my life. I feel like that was all I was meant to do. And then when I got into college and I was miserable in the program, I, I didn't know what to do with my life. I didn't know who I was as a person. I didn't know what I was good at. I really wasn't sure what I liked or what I didn't like. I feel like everything was laid out for me. Like, this is the life I'm supposed to lead. This is what my parents told me. This is what the teachers told me. This is what the town told me. So this is what I'm supposed to do. And it took a long time to kind of come to terms with the fact that that wasn't what was going to happen in my life. 
And um, I just feel like I want to teach my students something different. I want to teach them that you need to find out what you're good at. You need to find out what you like. You need to find out what you're passionate about and then go from there. Then come up with a plan to go from there. So um, that's all I have for the first one. Hi, everyone. This is part two um, of my multicultural autobiography. And um, it is progression. And I will talk to you guys about what my <clears throat> future plans are for my classroom and what I want to do in my classroom. Um, one thing that really kind of stuck out to me is I remember being asked when I was little what I wanted to be when I grew up. And this is one question that I've never asked my kids. And I don't think I will ask my classroom. Um, I know it probably sounds silly, but um, I remember when I was asked as a kid what I want to be when I grow up, that I didn't know what I wanted to be. And I thought that that was the wrong answer. Um, I know most people would see this question as like harmless and it would, you know, just let kids wonder about their future. But I remember feeling like there was something wrong with me because I didn't know what I wanted to be. And, you know, you're trained through school that you get all the answers right. You answer all the questions correct. You pass the test. Like that was my experience with school was that I had to do everything right. I had to get straight A's. I had to, you know, answer all the questions right. And it really bothered me that I couldn't answer that question. Um, I just really didn't know what I wanted to be. And um, I remember I would just say whatever my friends would say. And it was typically like nurse, like all the girls always wanted to be a nurse. And it never really interested me, but I always said I wanted to be a nurse. So I kind of felt like that was the start of pushing me into the medical field, like with my family and the community and teachers and everybody. Um and so I just feel like that's not a question that I want to ask my students. I don't want to put that pressure on them if there's a kid that feels the way I did about that question. Um, I know that probably might sound crazy and silly, but it was something that kind of really impacted my life. So I don't want to do that to my students. Um, I want to be a teacher that lets my students know that um, the thought of college is amazing and if that's what they want to do, but it's not necessarily success. I don't want to make my students feel like if they don't go to college that they're less than. I mean, because you can have success with a trade. You can have success with starting your own business. You can have success with anything you want in your life, however you define success. Um, some kids are college bound. Some kids are the perfect person to go to college. They're really good at school. Like me, I was really good at school. I like school. I enjoy school. Um, you can go to college and have a degree and be thousands of dollars in debt and still not be successful. I mean, I've been there too. I went to college the first time and I was thousands of dollars in debt and I hated my job and I didn't want to do that. So I kind of feel like I just want kids to know that they're all valuable in whatever they want to do in life. Um, it, that's something that has kind of really been profound to me and that I feel like I've learned the hard way in life. 
Um, all of my teachers, my parents, my community told me that I had to go to college. I had to make it in life. And at 18, I had no idea what I wanted to do in life because I had no idea who I was as a person yet. I wish, looking back, that I would have just got a regular job right out of high school and worked it for a couple of years until I figured out what it was I wanted to do. Um, I plan on teaching in you know this area that I grew up on, that I grew up in. My ultimate job that I want would be, of course, at my homeschool, Piketon. Um, it's where my kids go. It's, you know, just my home. And considering that I'm going to be teaching in early childhood, I want um, to do what I want to do in my classroom is I want to develop relationships with each one of my students and their families. I think that is just so important. Um, it makes the kids see the connection between school and home. I want um, to be able to pull on those resources for that child. And I want to teach the child as a whole. Um, I want my classroom to be a safe environment where kids can, you know, like set aside their bias and just really embrace each other and develop that family feel in the classroom. I want to create a positive learning environment. I think a positive learning environment is just essential for success. Um, I want to have like a welcoming atmosphere where students feel safe and that they're willing to share anything with me, especially in our area where it's just so, so much drugs and so much bad home lives you run into. I want kids to feel that they can come to school and they can confide in me about anything. Um, I think classrooms should represent the students equally. And I think, you know, like everyone should know each other's names. Everyone should feel free with each other. I think creating that environment is just so important, especially for early childhood education. I want students to feel that they matter and that I care for them. And I want my classroom as a whole to care for each other. I feel that um, for society, I feel like education is the foundation. I feel like if you're going to change society, then you need to start in the schools. Um, you see so much passed down through generations in my town um, with drug use and poverty, and it's just so heartbreaking. You have all of these people with just this great potential, and it's just it's just really sad. And my hope that is, as a teacher, that I will make learning personalized for everyone instead of like standardized across the board for everybody. Um, I want my students to. I want to improve on their creativity and just increase that natural curiosity that lives inside them. Um, I'm willing to try any new wild, crazy teaching technique and just see how it goes. Um, I hope that I can handle my failure as well as I can handle progress. And I want my students to come to school and I want them to come into my classroom. Um, and I want them to love it. I want them to enjoy education. So um, that's all I have for the second one. So I hope you enjoyed it. And I'll be starting on the third one. Hi, everyone. Um, this is part three of my cultural autobiography. And um, it is the analysis. And I will try to connect my thoughts from my first two um, episodes. I feel that... The common theme between my past as a teacher and my future as a teacher um, is that I want kids to know that they can be successful in whatever they want to do. 
Um, I thought that going to college and getting a degree and making a lot of money, of course, um, and just having great job security is what would make you successful. And I can see where that came from my parents and the town um, because there just is no jobs in our town. Hardly everyone just um, really bad poverty stricken. There's a lot of drug abuse. Um, and so people having job security means a lot to people around here. Um, and it is something that, you know, when you have a career, you want to have job security. But I just don't think that making tons of money and um, I guess being successful in the eyes of what I was brought up with successful is necessarily true. Um, I find that true happiness and contentment in life to me is successful. Um, me forcing my way through a healthcare program and just being miserable was not what I thought success was going to feel like. Um, I feel that in the poor area we live in, money is what a lot of people see as success. And I want my students to know that if they do what they love every day and find a way to make money at it, to me, that is success. But to them, it might be other success. You know, I just want to guide them through and find their passion in life. Um, and in my time through school, I feel like I had good teachers and I had bad teachers. I actually had one teacher. He was my high school English teacher and, um, he was miserable as a teacher <laughs> and, uh, he always had a coffee cup on his table and it didn't always necessarily have coffee in it. Um, that was the rumor that went around high school about him, <laughs> but, um, he was miserable as a teacher. Um, that would be, I guess my example is a bad teacher. Um, I did have a, I had a couple teachers that, um, had a very good impact on my life. One of them, his name was Mr. Stockholm and he ran his classroom like a drill sergeant. And he reminds me so much of Clint Eastwood in the movie Gran Torino. He was an old cantankerous white man. He was built the same way as Clint Eastwood is. His voice is very similar. He walks the same. And his personality in that movie was like dead on. Um, you knew what you were doing in his class every day. You went in, you sat down, you copied notes from the projector, and you had your test on Friday. And it was the most boring class ever. He taught government and he taught it in the most boring possible way ever. Um, however, he had such a big heart for students. He was so caring towards students. I really enjoyed his class somewhat because he didn't put up with crap in his class. If you got in trouble in his class, he took care of it himself. He didn't send you to the principal's office. He didn't yell at you in front of the class. What you would do is you would go out in the hallway and you would either do wall sits or you would do push-ups. Um, <laughs> and he just he had such a unique personality, um, but deep down, he really cared for every student in that school. Um, his last year that I had him, he was retiring that year, and he gave open note tests all year. So one Friday, I went in there to take my test, and um, I forgot my notes, and I knew I was going to flunk the test because I forgot my notes, and I never studied for it, and um when he handed the test back, he handed me my test and I had an A on it. And he told me, he said, I know you can do better than this. You've got straight A's all year. He said, I fixed this test for you. He said, but you need to get your act together. I'm not going to do it again. 
And to me, that just showed how much he really paid attention and how much he really cared. He also, that last year he retired, there was a senior in school and he had a horrible life. And he was living with his mom. She was a single mom and his mom just ran off. And Stockholm had developed a relationship with that student and he actually took him in. He took him in and he became his legal guardian. And I mean, even to today, I see him there. They still have that relationship. He looks at him as a dad. He completely changed that student's life. So, I mean, to me, that shows a whole nother side of what a teacher is. His classroom was ultimately horrible and ultimately boring, but he had a side to him that he really cared for his students, is what I've seen. Um, another teacher I want to talk about um, was my history teacher, Mr. Klinker. And he ran his class total opposite than Stockholm. He was completely exciting. He always had group projects um, going on. He had group works. We watched relevant movies in his class. He was always just super exciting and made everything fun. Um, to me, like, he helped develop my love for history. I absolutely love history. And I can connect it to him that that's where I found my love for history. Um... One thing I remember about him was that um, he, every year, would take students, if you, um, you know, met this certain grade level in his class, he would take students to the Tecumseh Drama and chill coffee. And to go to that, it's actually, it's pretty expensive. And um, I got to see students go there that have probably never been out of Pike County before. Um, he also, every other year, he would have uh, certain field trips going on. Um, he would have donations from local businesses. He would do fundraisers. He would do everything he could, um, for the more expensive field trips that students can go on. They've been to Washington, DC. They've been to Gettysburg. They've been to just all kinds of different places. And to me, that's something I would love to do for my students. You know, a lot of the kids around here, like I said, never been out of Pike County and for them to get to go and see that there is a whole nother world out there. I mean, that's something amazing. And I just sort of feel like if I could take Mr. Klinker's style and Mr. Stockholm's style or just Mr. Stockholm's love for his students and just put those together, that would be like my ultimate package as a teacher. That's what I want to be able to bring my students into the classroom. Hi, everybody. Um, this is... <coughs> The last part of my series, and um, this is part four, and it is the synthesis, and it is where I'm just sort of going to bring together numbers one, two, and three of my um, series. So um, I think that for me, um, school needs to help teach the child as a whole, not just the academic part. Um, we need to take into context the culture and surroundings of the child. We need to help find what the child is good at, what they're passionate about, who they are as a person, and just help them decide what path in life, you know, <clears throat> that they want to go down, what path is right for them. I believe in my classroom, I need to develop relationships with the students. I need to have a good rapport with them and their families. I need to provide that environment for them to feel comfortable in, to feel safe in, 
I also need to create the environment where the student to student relationships can occur and have mutual respect for one another. Um, they need to learn how to work with their peers because, you know, in the future, they're going to have to work with um, their coworkers. Um, my level of comfort, I would say, working in a system right now, I would say that I'm really comfortable around the students working one-on-one -on -one with teachers and faculty. I would say that I'm comfortable with that also. I think the only part where I'm just not really sure I'm not 100% comfortable is probably with the families and the parents. Um, I worry about parents disagreeing with certain aspects of their child's education that I would be providing. Um, I would say that in the sense of the culture of the area I live in, that I plan on working in, um, like I said before, the poverty level and the education level is um, you know, just relatively low. And I'm afraid I'm going to hear things like I've heard my whole life, sort of like, um, well, I was never good in math, so my kid's never going to be good in math. Or, well, why is that important for life? They need to learn how to get out and get a job. Why do they need to learn how to, why do they need to learn algebra? You know, just different things that I'm afraid I might hear from the parents. And, you know, they're so important in the child's life. They're, you know, they, they love their kids and they're important in their life, but, you know, just bridging that gap between school and home and working one-on-one -on -one with the parents, I feel like, um, that part, I'm just sort of still a little fuzzy on, um, I'm just not really sure about some of the things I think about that. Um, I feel that accountability in my classroom, I think it should be a mixture of both individual and collective. I feel that in the instance, once if like one student hurts another, the, the hurts another student's feelings, or maybe that one student just don't do their homework, you know that's accountability held for that one single student. Um, but if we're trying to reach like a goal as a classroom and they collectively don't reach that goal, then of course that would be the whole classroom's accountability. Um, you know, and at that point, maybe I need to look at me. Maybe I failed them as a teacher because we didn't reach the school. Maybe they didn't understand it. Um, maybe they need to work more on it. You know, at that point, I feel like I would need to step back. I would need to take a look at everything, refocus, maybe change my lesson plan for that day if I need to and start where the class needs me to. Um, I feel that you need to have set clear goals in the class but how every student might get to that goal may not be the same path because every student learns different. You know, you have all different types of learners in your class. I feel like the class as a whole should have the same goal, but I need to focus on how to get each student there. Um, I feel that what will emphasize me as a teacher, like what I need to bring into the classroom is that my passion for teaching and just my care for my students. You know, I'm passionate about finding what they're passionate about and helping them discover that. Um, things I feel that I still need to work on might be searching in myself for more myths and misconceptions that I just don't realize I have right now. I'm sure there's things about myself that I don't know yet. You know, I'm still growing as a person and I need to be aware of that. I um 
can imagine that in my coming years as a teacher, I'm going to learn so much. <laughs> um, I want to learn from my students. I want my students to learn from me. I want to learn about myself from my students. Um, so I think that that's just something that I'm I'm really excited for. So, but um, that's all I have for that one. Thanks.